everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Keibel and John Mikulski. Welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, everybody. Uh, the Chromebook in the classroom. This is Sean Keibel, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Mikulski. As always, hey, say hi uh, out there, John. Hello, everyone. All right. Uh, wow, we've got a really great show for you this week. I'm super excited. John, I know you are. You put a lot of work behind this one. Um, but before we really get to that, uh, uh, let's uh, cut to our normal warm-up. And I first off want to say, uh, I don't know if you're feeling tired yet, but uh, we're doing a lot of recording today. It has been a, a long, long day. Yes, and it, it seems like it's beginning and ending with... Uh, with the tightwad teacher <laughs> right so uh for those of you that don't have any idea what we're talking about we uh we started early this morning uh well 5 a.m my time i'm here in texas and was that six for you john yep uh with an interview uh with a gentleman from sydney australia and uh we won't give any of that away that'll be in a, a future show you can listen to but uh so we we conduct an interview uh way all the way around the globe there and uh get that wrapped up and then uh john are you guys not not back in school yet no we have uh i think a week left a week and a half we go okay. back yeah so this this is my first week back so uh so I hastily threw myself together after that and headed out the door and uh, have spent a day uh, trying to solve the technology woes of of the world and uh, and simultaneously uh, beat some technology into some, some middle schoolers. Uh, and then uh, now we're we're back here uh, recording again. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's been it's been a long recording day, but uh, so far I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, well, and the, the first interview went really well, and I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Um, I can't believe, I still can't believe we got somebody uh, from Google. Like, that's just so cool to me that that, that worked out. So I, I'm really excited to hear uh, Jamie, Jamie talk today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've tried actually in the past to get somebody from Google, and I think it's a matter, we were working on somebody from Google regarding uh, Big Blue Button and uh mm -hmm. trying to get somebody that was involved with that project and it was just it was a nightmare i never could actually track anybody down so uh i gotta give you just mad props there uh, john <laughs> it was uh, you did hey. a great job so yeah, well I'm, I'm looking forward oh yeah yeah uh so anyway i gotta i gotta share this with you um <clears throat> uh, you know, part of my job is to get all of the computers in the district, and uh, most of our classrooms are actually uh, classrooms slash computer labs. And I get pretty much all of them done, all of them set up and what we call imaged uh, and newly set up for the year, um, except with the exception of the middle school library and uh, one lab in the elementary and then a lab slash classroom in the middle school as well. And uh, those all happen to be one particular hardware set. So there was a reason why we were having trouble with that particular hardware set. And so it got pushed back uh, kind of uh, down the priority list. And uh, it just so happens that one of those <laughs> is is my classroom. So uh, so I start this week teaching and uh, I, I'm getting to teach tech with uh, no working computers in my classroom. <laughs> so, 
so yeah, it's it's been interesting so far. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so uh, this is my third day, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a little rough. As a matter of fact, some of the problems that we're having, I enlisted my students and said, "Well, this is tech class, right?" Uh, so a, a big part of what's been taking the problem so long to resolve is I've got about maybe two thirds of my CD-ROMs in the classroom do not work. This is an old hardware set. And, uh, so I had some, uh, some new CD-ROMs that are in there, fresh in their boxes and everything in storage and said, uh, you know, I need to get those swapped out. Uh, so I enlisted the students today because, you know, what else am I going to teach them? Right. <laughs> so, uh, put the kids to work. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, Hey, it's, it's tech class, right? So we tore down computers and I taught them about the major components of the computer and really, uh, tried to get them over. You know, most people, when they see, if they ever see the internal components of a computer, uh, it's a little intimidating, right? I mean, it just looks like a bunch of wires and circuits and, you know, you don't know what is what unless uh, you have somebody help you out there. So uh, I hope that I erased some stigma there. And, uh, you know, these students feel a little bit more comfortable with, you know, it, it's not so crazy when you go and look inside those machines. Yeah, you're going to get all these angry parent phone calls tomorrow because the kids will have gone home and taken apart all the family machines. <laughs> yeah, I can just see that now. You know, they're bringing in parts. And uh, Mr. Cobb, what, is, <laughs> yeah, can we try what this? is this? And yeah, will this fit in this computer? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, that, that'll be a, a good warm up for another show. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, when I come in and there's uh, the angry mob that chased me down. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, uh, let's uh, let's cut right to the interview. Now, I'm excited to do it, and uh, uh, I know you are too, John. And uh, since you did such a great job tracking this one down, I think maybe best for you to go ahead and bring them on. Sounds good. Today we have Jamie Jamie Cassup, uh, who listed his job title as the senior education evangelist for Google. And uh, Jamie, why don't you start off by explaining what exactly a education evangelist does? Don't, don't you want to know why it's a senior position? Okay, a senior, <laughs> a senior evangelist. <laughs> oh, you oversee the other evangelists. That's what it is. Right. Uh, even the best evangelists in the world need some management, right? So um, I, my, my title comes from actually uh, one of the first presentations that I did uh, a couple years ago when, when I was working with universities. And uh, I was, I won't mention the university, but I was doing a presentation. And at the end of the presentation, one of the deans from the colleges came up to me and says, you know, you, you should change your title from business development manager to evangelist because you sound like a preacher. So I was like, you know what, that probably works. And so uh, I was, you know, the a Google education evangelist for a while. And then I recently got promoted. So I figured I would just add that to the title and I became the senior education evangelist. So just just keep I'm just keeping that title going, I guess. Well, and, and Google, Google is just all encompassing. I don't think I have to tell you that because I'm sure you see that firsthand. Um, but it seems now more and more as as more apps come into play and, and more devices and, and Google's really just everywhere. Um, the connection between Google and education is just that much more um, established. So what do you see being the evangelist? Um, what do you see as, as Google's commitment to education? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, if you think about Google and its origin, where we started, we started out on the university campus. You know, we, we started with two grad students working uh, on a project. And, and I don't think we've ever lost that sense, that feel that we, we're an exploratory you know, education, innovation company. 
that looks for opportunities to improve our knowledge. You know, our mission is to organize the world, world's information and make it accessible and useful. And, and so uh, inherent in that language is the ability to learn, the ability to, 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 to take the information that you currently have, you know, inside your brain and expand on that. So education is something that we're always, we've always been committed to and something that we can continue to be committed to. And, and so we're excited about not only you know, Google Apps for Education, not only Chromebooks, but what Google Earth can do in a classroom or how, you know, we can do advanced search so that our students aren't only getting Wikipedia answers. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that they're actually learning how to do advanced search, that they're learning how to really bet information, really get to real information that they're looking for. So, like, we're always, we're, we've always been edu uh, educational focused. We've always been dedicated to education. Uh, we're excited about the potential of, you know, bringing the world's information to the fingertips of our users. And, and so that's something that we've always been involved with. I really like that idea that Google has come full circle and it started on the college campus and now has expanded since then. I like that. Um, how so? Like, how do you see schools using, you know, you talked about Google apps for education in particular. How, what do you see uh, coming from your end? Yeah, and, and, you know, the, I always like to remind folks that, you know, that we talk about Google Apps for Education. I spend the majority of my time working with universities and, and in the last three years working in K-12 with Google Apps for Education. That's where my focus has been. And it's expanded since then in the last, you know, six months or so because of other things. And we can get to that. But for the most part, I always like to remind folks that Google Apps is a tool set that we use at Google. Uh, we run our company using Google Apps. You know, we run our, you know, it's how we communicate with each other. It's how we collaborate with it, with each other. It's how we build our knowledge. It's how we, you know, it's how we take our thoughts, put them into a document, collaborate on, on those thoughts and make them better. So we use these tools in our own environment. And the way teachers are using these same tools uh, is fascinating to me in ways that I never dreamed possible. The, the way students are, are using Google Sites, for example, to build their e-portfolio is, is, is tremendous. The way uh, teachers are using Google Forms to do pre-assessments and post-assessments for, for their students. I know of a teacher who actually used Google Forms uh, to do the old, what did you do this past summer uh, question. You know, we used to get that in school. Uh, the teacher made, made the students all write the answer in a Google form. And so she has all these in one place. And so, uh, I, every day, not a day goes by that I don't learn of new ways that are, that our teachers are using, uh, our tools in the classroom. If you actually do a search for 32 ways to use Google apps in the classroom, we took some of these real life examples and put them into a presentation into a Google doc so that teachers can, can take a look at this. So if you search, you know, 32 ways to do, to, to use Google apps in the classroom, uh, there's a bunch of examples and those 32 ways that are in that presentation are old. You know, th those are just one snapshot in time because every day there's another 32 ways that teachers are using these tools. I can throw oh, out, And I can uh, speak from experience, I guess, right now. I'm a, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> well, yeah, I know we can jump in on this. Uh, we, we all have big things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and I can say that I'm uh, I'm with a school district that's a Google Apps for Education school district, and we made that move uh, year before last, and uh, it, it's been amazing to watch uh, just the transformation that's taking place across the district, but. Uh, as far as the forms, and that just made me think of one that I came up with, and uh, I'm the, the IT guy around here, so I've got to make all that stuff happen. And uh, the teachers were looking for a way, every morning they're asked to put in a lunch count, right? How many of your kids are going to be eating lunch in the cafeteria? <laughs> 
And uh, right. so I came up with the form and uh, did a form. And now the uh, the cafeteria sends that out every morning and the, the teachers uh, go in and uh, they put in however many headcount they've got that are going to be going to lunch. And the cafeteria gets a nice organized count. You know, it's just it's so much more efficient than what it was before. So this is, you know, something that's not even uh, student tied, you know, or maybe uh, tied to any lessons or anything like that. But it's something that still uh, makes the administration of the educational process uh, so much easier. Right. And, and, and that's what's fascinating about the tool set is that you can, you can use, let's, let's look at Google Forms because that seems to be a very popular uh, tool in K-12. You look at Google Forms and you can use that to do everything from uh, make administer things like you just mentioned in your, your lunch menu. You can, you can just run administration type of functionality or as a teacher because, you know, you know, teachers get all the time here. You should bring technology education. You bring you should bring technology into education. But what's in it for them, right? What makes their life easier? So some of these examples, and these are and some other great examples of how to use these tools to make their lives easier are are great. So how to you know how to be more efficient, how to be more effective, how to be be more productive, how how to avoid carrying around 500 pieces of paper, you know you know uh, with an easy Google form. So from a productivity, it's great, and then from a, like you mentioned, it's the, your example is not based on curriculum or, or standards or other things that they're doing. You can actually turn around and use forms to do exactly that. You can do pre-assessments. You can do post-assessments. You can, you know, you can ask a class of third graders, what's two plus two across the board? And I don't know if that's where you learn two plus two, but let's say it is. And you go across the board and you can instantly see in a spreadsheet how many of those answers are for. Or if there's a whole bunch of them that are six, then you know you have an issue and you can address it right away and you can do focused learning and you can, so everything from being, you know, running administrative functionality, things that you have to do to be more productive and effective and efficient to actually building uh, student skills, just Google Forms can help you do that. And you can say that about all the tools across the board. Yeah. And, you know, I always say as, as a teacher who uses a lot of these tools, you don't use them for the sake of using them. And, and I think that's what's so great about Google apps is that they are so versatile. But let me ask you, how do you get to that point? Because lots of times people, especially if they're, they're unfamiliar, and I'll say myself, like this is actually the first, this is my, my inaugural, uh, uh, try at Google Hangouts. I've never done this before. And it was a little intimidating at first, and there's a little bit of a learning curve. So now think, look at um, a teacher who maybe doesn't have as much experience with some other things and doesn't have as much comfort. What does Google do to get them on board with Google Apps? What kind of training, what kind of support do they offer? Yeah, that's a great question. I have like 10 different answers, and I don't <laughs> want to spend the next 20 minutes talking, so cut me off if I go too long, because there's some great answers hey. around that. You're the evangelist. You talk as long as you want. <laughs> so, so, so the so the first answer the first answer is this: um, teachers go through professional development all the time. They're learning new skills all the time. What's cool about Google Apps is that once you let's say you knew nothing about how to use these tools, as intuitive as they, as we make them, as as cool as we make them, as easy to use as we make them, let's say you still have difficult learning them, but you go through a week, a day, two days of training and you learn how to use these tools, you never have to go through that training again because it's not like we're going to wait three years to release a new version of, of Google Apps, right? Once you go through this process, you actually know how to use these tools. And then as we build new features in, because we're always building new things in, we're always making the product better, you pick these up as you go. You learn them from other teachers. You, you, you learn how to use the tools in lots of different ways. 
And so once you go through this tra training, even if you know nothing about these tools, you never have to do this again because you, you, you just continue to use them, you continue to grow. Just like, you know, Tim and I, when, when, when we joined Google, we, 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 we learned how to use the tools the way we needed to use them and we never had to go through training because as new things come up, we just learn how to use those or Tim tells me about something new or I tell him, so it becomes very viral. So that's one answer. The other answer is we recognized when we launched Google Apps for Education for K-12 that professional development and teacher training was critical to, to the success of students picking up these tools and using them in the school. And so we build the Google Apps certification program. And I don't know how familiar you are with that, but if you, if you go to Google Apps for Education and you search Google Apps certification program, you can go in there and you can find a trainer. You can become a trainer. You can, you can, you can go through the material yourself and learn how to use the tools and, and become, you know, an expert on using these tools. And then also we build in a user group. So we just recently announced the, 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 the user, user groups by region. So if you go into Google Ads for Education it, and, and, and look under resources, you can see the user groups. And if whatever region you live in, you can join that user group and, uh, and then get information about what's coming up. Talk to other users, get examples, get tips, ask questions of this user discussion group. And so you become part of a community that's using these tools at this, you know, because, because a lot of the time we hear, we wish we, you know, we knew other people that were using these tools. And so now you have that. And so these are the different ways that we want to make sure teachers are prepared. And, you know, if there's a, if there's state level conferences on, on, on Google and education, I, I want to come and talk to them. I want to bring Google certified teachers. You know, we want we want teachers to know how to use these tools. We want to teach as many as we can, uh, as in, in as many different ways as we possibly can. And then the last thing I'll say about this particular subject is I like to remind them. I like to remind teachers uh, about my ten year old, right? And my ten year old who doesn't know what an operating system is, doesn't know you know, doesn't re realize that the world existed before Google, has no idea what a card catalog is, has no idea, you know, um, what, 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 he's never gone to a store to buy software and put it on his machine and to use, right? And he, he can barely, he can barely understand the concept of having to go buy a video game. I don't understand why he can't just download it. So these are the kids that are coming to our schools. And so, Teachers have to be prepared for these for these students who are coming in gangbusters with technology and the web, you know, as part of their lives. I, I like to think uh, also, and you know, we see it a lot here. Is uh, just you start to have that ecosystem uh, natively within your own campus or or district or whatever too, and uh, we see that so often. There's always those uh, kind of early adopter types, right? There's the teacher that really grabs hold of the technology, and you know, they dive right in and get their their hands dirty, and uh, and then you see that passed along to the other teachers. So. Uh, Usually, if you're not that teacher, if you are that teacher, you're probably going to figure it out anyways. And if you're not, certainly look around to the room next to you, to the left or the right, and you're probably going to find somebody that's willing to help. Yeah, and we all have to, you know, we have to go in it with an open mind, and we have to go in with the understanding that we're not going to know everything, right? I mean, um, I, I don't know how old you guys are, and I won't go into how old I am, but I remember when the <laughs> internet was big enough where I could keep all the websites on one bookmark, right? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs>
And then, and then they just started popping out of every, every everywhere, and and there were all there's no way that you could bookmark every website, right? Remember those days back in the you know early nineties? Right. Um, the same things happen with technology. The the technology moves at such a fast pace, at such a fast pace that we have to just let go, and and not worry about not not knowing everything, right? And we're gonna learn things as we go, and that we're gonna pick things up, and we're gonna learn from our colleagues, we're gonna learn from our students, we're gonna learn from each other, and that's how we're gonna pick up uh, the skills that we need to to not only survive but to to, to be effective, to thrive. Well, like Sean says, uh, that's already happening, happening, especially on schools that have embraced Google Apps for Education. So um, that that's a good segue into the next part of our interview. Uh, the next, I guess, the progression that Google has taken now as uh, the Google Chromebook. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. I think that um, I have I've, I haven't had a chance to physically play with one yet, but I've, I've looked at some things online and watched the videos and that kind of stuff, all the hype that's been around it. And it really seems to me like it's a, a device that's best suited to basically serve up these tools. Um, and I, I think that's a great idea. We actually just had a, an interview this morning that we did, uh, and it was talking with a, a teacher in Australia who has moved everything to a Linux environment. And the argument that I always have with, with talking about operating systems, like you said, your 10-year-old doesn't even know what an operating system is anymore. You really don't need to know what an operating system is because everything's cloud-based. It doesn't matter if you're on a Windows machine or a Mac machine or a Linux machine. It's all there. And I think that in my eyes, Chromebook gets right to that, the heart of that. It doesn't matter what you're using. It's a more a device to serve up those tools. Is that, is that kind of right? Am I, am I onto something there? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, when, when we think about, um, you, you know, when you end up, when you get, when you use a laptop or a traditional computer and, and, and you go through the process of logging in and signing up and you do this whole thing and you open up your browser and you get to the website that you want and you, and you're, and you're, and you're upset because you've already gone through your cup of coffee waiting for all that to happen. So you have to go back and get another cup of coffee. And that just becomes acceptable to us because that's how we grew up, right? That's what we know. And, and then you pick up a Chromebook and, and you put it in front of your, yourself, in front of you and you open it up and you press the power button and your, and your login screen pops up in like eight seconds and you type it in and you, and, and the next thing that happens is you're connected to the, to the web and you're like, that totally makes sense. That's ex that's what I was gonna do anyway, right? It's like it's like finding the shortcut to the to the to the gym, you know, after driving it, you know, the long way for the last ten years, right? You, you finally fi figured out the shortcut. And so when you think about our this generation, the the, the ten year olds, and 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 again, my ten year old who doesn't doesn't understand going to a store and buying software and putting it onto a machine and doing that kind of thing. He just goes to the end, you know, he goes to the web. That's where he interacts. That's where his stuff is. You know, he, he doesn't care what machine he uses. He just cares that he can get to his stuff. And, and so if that's the generation that's growing up, then the Chromebook totally makes sense. If, if the experience back to, you know, back to the example that we were talking about earlier, where, where the whole internet was like 20, 20 web pages, uh, you know, back then you could bookmark the whole thing and, and, and it was only, it, it was one link that brought you to another link that brought you to a bunch of text. The, the the web today is completely different. It's completely interactive. It's completely where, where we're doing all our stuff. And you know, if you if you actually watch a ten year old, that's where he's doing all his all, all his activities. He's doing everything on the web. So it makes sense that this is the next step. And you know, Google Apps is definitely a, a great tool set to use with Chromebooks. But it's not. You don't have to use Google Apps. You can use you know whatever web based applications. You know, my, my 10 year old has a Chromebook. He stole one of my Chromebooks 
And he, I don't, you know, he doesn't use Google Apps. He uses the stuff that he normally uses. He uses the web, you know, the web-based applications that he loves to use, including, you know, the, his Kindle application that he uses. To us, all that stuff is magic. To him, it's just expected. So the level of expectation that this generation has has completely, you know, gotten out of control. And, and so they're using these devices in that way, and it totally makes sense that the that you should be able to get up on the internet and run run in eight to ten seconds. You know, it's funny you saying that makes me think about, uh, you know, Google's need for speed and how, uh, you know, in, in search and everything that Google does, they, they're always trying to optimize the speed of at which that happens. And that's actually very forward thinking because you're right. Uh, I see that every day. You know, I see students and teachers that are, <clears throat> but primarily students. The, you know, they're complaining about, oh, it takes me forever to log onto the computer. So, okay, we'll sit down and I'll have them log in for me and I watch them. And, you know, it maybe takes, uh, uh, oh, 15, 20 seconds from the time they log on till they've got a prepared desktop. And I'm saying, okay, look, everything looks all right to me. And they said, yeah, geez, did you see how long that, <laughs> you know, and they're so impatient. And, uh, so it makes, it makes so much sense that, uh, you know, everything needs to be fast. And you definitely see that with, with the students out there today. Um, uh, and even, yes, the younger students, John and I both, uh, teach in the middle school and that really, John, I don't know what you think about that, but to me, that seems to be sort of the battleground of where that's really starting to happen is the, the kids that are in middle school right now, uh, have even more of that. I got to have it now. And I want what I want, you know, when I want it and it needs to be quick. Um, uh, so uh, love to see it. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, John? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, school's a weird place for kids right now because the world that they live in outside of school is not the, the world that we allow them to live in, in school. You know, as soon as they come in, cell phones have to be turned off. iPods get put away in most schools, mine, mine included, unfortunately. So, um, I think that need for, for the speed to get on and get reconnected, because basically that's what we're doing in schools is we disconnect them and then tell them to pay attention to us. And that just doesn't work. Um, so I think that's kind of what you're seeing, Sean, is as they need to get on and reconnect it as fast as possible. And that actually is, was my next question uh, for you, Jamie, was, you know, what makes a, a Chromebook really unique? And I think you nailed that. I don't know if there's anything else you can, oh, you can say to add to that. Yeah, I can. I, so I got involved with the Chromebook team when I, when I heard about the design and I went to them and I'm like, this thing's going to be insanely useful in education. And I've been involved with them ever since. And so I, I've added it to the things that I preach about because I think, that there's benefits for everyone who's involved with the Chromebook, right? So you mentioned students, absolutely impatience, all those things. But just as important, speed is important to teachers. You know, when you have to, when you have an hour to do a lesson plan, you don't have 10 minutes to spend turning on and booting up your machine and then closing them and doing the pizza box thing and then un, you know, making sure they don't lock up and all, you know, they, they don't have time for that. So a machine that boots up in eight to 10 seconds, it's up and running. You don't have to, if one's not working, you close it, you put it outside, you grab another one, and you let them log into that. Uh, or worst case scenario, you can do multiple people on one machine login. There's all these different things that you can do. So when you think about the different groups, students, absolutely, they're used to working on the, on the web. They're used to working fast. They get that. It, it helps them. For teachers, um, you, they boot up fast. You don't have to worry. You know, you close them and then they, and you open up, you open them back up. They're back up instantaneously. They're up and running. You don't have to worry about power cords. They have an eight-hour battery life, so they can last you all day. Students can carry them around. 
Uh, and so there's, there's benefits to teachers. But I think the real beauty of the Chromebook, and I think where we're really going to add a lot of value, and I'm really excited about this, is actually at the really boring administration level. Because when you think about the beauty of the Chromebooks, it's the management and scalability features that they come with that, that, are, that are magical as far as I'm concerned. So, for example, you guys have run classrooms. You know, just running a training workshop for 10 people, 10 adults, and bringing 10 computers into a room is a pain in the butt, right? Trying to set up 10 machines, trying to set, make sure that they all have the right software on there, trying to make sure that they, that they have all the key things that you need, that they log, that people can log in, that they're connected to the internet, all the things. Just having 10 machines in a, in a room for adults is a big pain in the butt. So imagine, like you guys do, running 30 machines in a classroom for fifth graders or sixth graders, right? Now, imagine doing that for an entire year. Now scale that. Go from 30 machines in a fifth grade classroom to 1,000 machines in a school to 30,000 machines in a school district. That scale is where the Chromebook really, really adds value because you can manage these machines all from one, one web portal, right? So you can do all the cool management features that are available to the Chromebook from one portal. So, so in one place, you can, you know, you can, you can, when we can get, in, and I can show you all the different things that you can do from a management perspective, but all the things that you want to be able to do, like block some, uh, uh, uh web apps, preload them with the web apps that you want on there. Uh, make sure that the, you know, they're, they're on the right, uh, um, 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 uh, filter system. Make sure that you, that, that you have them domain specific. Set up the right password identification. All the management things that you can do, you can do for all 30,000 machines from one place. And that's where the real value comes in because you don't have to take the 30,000 machines at the end of the school year and re-image them. Update the software. Uh, you know, make sure that's the right operating system. Make sure that they all have their current versions of the right browser. You don't have to worry about any of those things. You all right, just, Jamie, I just got to stop you because you got done. me salivating there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Are you I, kidding, Chad? So, you wouldn't have a job. <laughs> right, well, yeah, I mean, I'm the guy who's responsible for that in my district. <laughs> uh, for, for the most part, uh, uh, that's no, what I, I think spend. My- job, I don't. I don't. I don't think that he not would have a job. I think his job would be better. His job oh. would actually be focused on it'd on be, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be. Yeah, and and I trust me, it's a scalability issue. You know, I have you know I have my wife and my kids here, and just ha- just trying to manage four computers in my house is a pain in the butt. You know, so I can't even imagine what it's like trying to run a hundred thousand machines in a school district and what it would take to do that. So. I think that, the, you know, we've been talking about technology and education for 30 years. It's a really long time that we've been talking about technology and education. And I think the, the real computing power of one-to-one, and, and, and you mentioned earlier um, that they become, we don't I, don't, I don't want anybody to talk about Google products. I don't want people to talk about Google apps. I don't want them to talk about Chromebooks. I want them to become invisible in the classroom. I just want them to be other tools that teachers use. To, to be more productive, to be more effective, to be more efficient, and to build the skills that kids need around communication, problem solving, collaboration, creating, all those things that they want to, they want to help build, uh, student skills around. So I, I want those things to be invisible. And I think one of the biggest issues, one of the biggest problems is scalability. It's hard to take technology and scale it in, in an education environment. And the Chromebooks eliminates that problem for us. Well, I know that the, the Chromebooks price, the price point is, is quite reasonable. Um, and maybe Sean, you can, you can speak to some of this more because you are more of the back end guy. Uh, 
are there hidden costs though in terms of, of back end hardware or support or that kind of thing? Because I don't, you know, I'm the teacher, I'm kind of the end user. So I just know that it comes in my room and it works. And and I don't really know what that mysterious closet down the hall with all the wires in it does. I just know that it's important and and my day's ruined if it doesn't work. What kind of back end support do you need to to say roll out a, a thousand Chromebooks? Yeah, not, now now I sell like you know like I'm I'm gonna be selling uh, uh, knives or something. <laughs> like, like but but I, I try to do this in a way that that makes sense because because you're right. At the end of the day, it's about money and it costs something. So you got to know what you're getting for what you're paying for. And that absolutely is a great question because I think the opposite is true. I think when you think about you know if you go and look at a at a netbook and it costs you five hundred dollars, you think you're gonna compare a five hundred dollar netbook. To a, um, a Chromebook that, you know, for our subscription model costs you $20 a month for Wi-Fi or $23 a month for the Wi-Fi 3G model. And that for a three year subscription, that costs you $720. And so as a, as a, as a school official, you look at the $500 version versus the $720 version. And, but what you don't get is a hidden cost of that $500 netbook. You don't get the hidden cost of the software you gotta up, you know, you have to download. You don't get the hidden cost of the, the way you have to manage these and, and the, and the malware and virus protection that you have to add to them and the costs associated to doing the re-imaging and the software upgrades and all the thing, all the man hours that you have to put into those machines. For us, 720, uh, for three years, you, for the Wi-Fi version, everything comes, you, you have three years of support. You have a three year warranty on them. Uh, there are no additional costs. You can, you know, in fact, you can just pay for everything up front if that's what you want to do. So, so everything is there for you, uh, upfront. No hidden costs, nothing to worry about. Uh, uh, all the support that you need, a warranty for three years. Uh, and that's the education price that we have for, for Wi-Fi versions. For Wi-Fi 3D version, 3G versions, they're $23 a month. So everything's upfront for us. Uh, John, I can jump in here and give you uh, one example, I think, of what you may have been going for. And we didn't have to go to Chromebooks to realize that it was going to the Google Apps for Education. Uh, and it, it was something that we were totally okay with. But uh, when we made the move to Google Apps for Education, and we're one-to-one, -one, we actually have more computers in our district than we do students. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're heavy on technology. And as soon as we had all of the students and teachers jump on our network, and all of a sudden they were operating in Google Docs, uh, we took a huge bandwidth uh, hit. And uh, so we made the extra investment in bandwidth. But I would say that if you were looking, if you're a district looking to make a big move like this into uh, Google Apps for Education, uh, the Chromebook, I'm sure, would, would fall right into that as well. Um, if you're making a big jump and it's really not, I, I don't want to say it like it's, uh, you know, it's a hit against Google because it's really any, any time you're looking to expand your use of the cloud, you know, you're going to have a bunch uh, more users on the internet. Uh, you need to keep that in mind. Uh, we had to double our bandwidth. Uh, and so uh, I think like a lot of schools out there is they're realizing that they're having to put some pretty good money into uh, making sure they have enough bandwidth to have all these tools uh, available to them all the time. Uh, we being out in a small rural area, uh, get our internet over wireless. And so we actually added a second carrier because we were finding that our, uh, our primary carrier was not reliable enough when 
you literally had classes reliant on being connected and being able to open up their, you know, the paper that they wrote yesterday or whatever uh, in Google Docs. So uh, we went with the second carrier. So we had some redundancy there and uh, also doubling the bandwidth. So uh, that's certainly a cost that if you're not at that level yet, uh, you certainly want to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there's definitely, uh, you want to make sure you have the right bandwidth. I, I, when I do my presentations, I always like to, to point out the rural areas. I like to say rural is the new urban. We have to make sure that we're paying attention to, uh, what's going on in rural areas and that they have the right connectivity and they have the, you know, they have, they have the right speeds for what they need. We try to minimize as much bandwidth as we could possibly minimize on our end by, you know, without getting all the, into the technology of it. Uh, by caching a lot of the local data and those types of things. So it's not like it's, you know, pure, you know, pure Wi-Fi all the time. And absolutely, the more technology you use in your school system, no, no matter what you use, the more bandwidth you're going to use because we are all living in the cloud. That's where it makes sense to, to keep all our data. And, but again, to your point, how do you, how do you weigh that versus having 30,000 machines inside a school system or let's say 3,000 machines inside a school system? And keeping everything local, you know, what is the server cost for that? How do you connect all that together? I mean, no matter what, there's always going to be costs. But, you know, the, the key thing for us, and I think you guys mentioned, um, you know, your schools that don't have a lot of technology, um, you know, in them already. And, you know, again, my 10 year old, uh, going to school has, has to deal with similar features where he's not allowed, he doesn't have a cell phone, but students aren't allowed to have cell phones in the class yet. Or they're not allowed to use their computers yet, or those types of things are going on. Um, we recognize, or I recognize, the fact that these are still barriers. These are still issues. It's still, it's still fundamentally like these change resistance things that we have to deal with. Not so much the technology, because we tend to invest in the things that make sense for us. And so bandwidth won't be an issue. The technology cost won't be an issue once we recognize that these are important tools that we have to give our our students to to thrive in the in in the in the in the in the new you know in the new era of digital literacy, you know we actually we spend a lot of time talking about kids and being digital literate. You know I like to take that a step further and start working on becoming and making kids that are digital leaders, right? Taking responsibility for their own digital footprint, taking responsibility for not only consuming from the internet but creating on it and building a a, a building a foundation of knowledge not and building a foundation of material that they've created over time that they can grow from. So, so these are the exciting things because you, you, you know, in my, in my space, you get to see everything from the, the school that doesn't want anything to do with technology and is proud to ban everything to the schools that want to do everything in the cloud and, and have the entire network all set up. And, and we're, 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 we're on that path right now with a lot of schools. Well, we're, we're starting to wrap up here, Jamie. So let's talk kind of about the future. I'm thinking now is your chance to, uh, to unveil the next big Google thing, right? <laughs> Screw the other media outlets like TechCrunch and Mashable. You're, you're on the tightwad teacher now. So, uh, let's, let's talk the big bombs here. Um, no, like where is this going to go? Because, you know, ultimately, if a lot of this is already cloud based stuff, uh, are we going to see a lot of changes as like new models of Chromebook come out or is, are they just going to become more reliable like what, what's the plan for them down the line yeah you know, well i was you know we were going to announce these big things on uh this interview i had with nightline but i figured we would just do it here <laughs> yeah we're hey you're on you might as well <laughs> <laughs> no so I, I i honestly don't have the answer to that because i you know i'm not involved with the i, I try to stay away from engineers as much as possible they're you know they can be a little scary 
<laughs> and and so I keep away from them. But the the real answer, the the way, the best way to answer that is to for those of us who have been involved in technology for a while, and if you know, it wasn't that long. I always like to remind people that you know the the iPhone is like four years old. <laughs> you know, I always like to remind people that it wasn't that long ago that we were plugging our computers into the wall and dialing up some service. And while the web page was trying to load at 920 uh, bits <laughs> per second, it might, if somebody else picked up the phone in the other room, it would just knock us off the web. I mean, that wasn't <laughs> that long ago, right? But if but if you if you look at what we do, if you look at our technology, you look at Google Apps, and for those of you who have been involved with Google Apps for the last three years, think about what Google Apps looked like three years ago, right? If I been I've been involved with Google Apps for the last you know almost five years, and I know what it looked like, and I couldn't predict what it looks like today based on what I knew three years ago. But what I can tell you is that pro that trajectory, that progression is not going to stop for us, right? We're going to continue to make it better. We're going to continue to improve it. We're going to continue to find ways to innovate. You know, the, the whole concept of, if you asked me last year, will you ever have like some kind of social networking site where people can talk to each other face to face in this hangout kind of environment? I, I couldn't have told you that, right? So the, the, the cool thing about technology is that it moves so fast, uh, that once you jump it, uh, you know, on the Google apps platform, those changes come to you. Those, those new features come to you. You get to, you get to pick them up as they come. So I, although I can't predict the future in terms of where we're going with this, I can tell you that if you look at Google Apps today, I think it's going to be much better next year. And it's even going to be much better two years from now. And you're going to be able to do really cool things. What those cool things are, quite frankly, is going to be, uh, up to the feedback we get from our users. You know, we get a, we get some great feedback from our users. We get, great feedback from our students we get great feedback from our teachers and that feedback gets put into our products more like more 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 likely uh than than most people think because because it happens all the time and as far as chromebooks are concerned the cool thing about chromebooks is i've had my chromebook i'm looking at it right now i've had this is version one of the chromebook and the boot up time on my chromebook is actually faster now than it was when i picked it up you know a, you know eight months ago whenever it was because it's a cloud-based operating system, it just gets better over time. It gets faster over time. So we're always working on it, always making new, new, uh, new improvements to, to the Chromebook. And so that's going to get better, better over time. I think we'll find the same thing happens with the hardware and the manufacturers who produce these things, right? So if, again, if you look at what devices look like when they first come out to what they look like a year from now or two years, they're going to get better. They're going to get slicker. They're going to get thinner. They're going to get faster. You know, all those things. But as far as our software is concerned, as far as what we're building, because it's cloud-based, because we're managing the whole thing, we have complete control um, of those um uh, uh, those updates. And so this, the browser is going to get better. The browser is going to get simpler to operate. The, it's literally going to get better over time. Well, I can just say, I, I'm sure I'm speaking for both, uh, Sean and myself. When, when that new, uh, version of, of Chromebook comes out, uh, we will both be more than willing to, uh, donate our classrooms as pilot <laughs> projects. So just keep us, keep us at the top of the list for that. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I always like to offer, since both you guys are teachers, um, I, you know, I have lots of family who are teachers. My ex-wife is a teacher. I am actually, I teach graduate classes at ACU. Uh, if you guys are using Google apps and if you want to use either hangout or we can use Google video, if you ever want me to come talk to students or if you had, you know, doing a special guest lecture or something, I'm more than willing to do that. Just hit me up 
um, on, on Gmail, and I'd be glad to do it. I might take you up on that. That'd be great, Jamie. Yeah, that, that would yeah, be absolutely. awesome. Yeah, I had a, uh, a female student today, and I actually had them. Uh, I, they don't know it, but I was kind of uh, enslaving them with some of my work and had the students taking computers uh, apart today. And, <laughs> and they loved it. They thought it was great. But I had uh, one female student who particularly really surprised me, and she was uh, just tearing the thing apart. And it, I didn't really need to help her at all. She just kind of intuitively knew what to do. And, you know, so sometimes you see that student, you know, okay, you need to be in technology. Some, you know, someday. So I was asking her about that and uh, thought, you know, it, it'd be neat to have that kind of career day thing where you have people come in. And I think most people think of either like the real hardcore geek or the the super uh, engineer kind of brain, you know, those those people that are mm -hmm. a little bit different. <laughs> the, uh, th that's what they think of when they think about working in technology. And uh, it, it's really not like that anymore. I mean, certainly you have to have those people who are really behind the scenes making all the servers tick but uh, there's so many more jobs now that have nothing to do with that uh, yeah yours, I like, I yours like, is one of those i like I to walk in, i like to walk into a class and, you know when i when because i go talk you know you know I, I i was born raised in hell's kitchen new york and grew up in new york city and so you know i, I have that urban experience and so I, anytime a teacher wants me to come in and talk to students i do it um and and i you know i go talk to kids i always start with how many of you want to be software engineers and nobody in the class raises their hand. And then I start, I explain what really? a software engineer is. I talk to them about what they want, what, what's involved. And then I, you know, I throw in a little bit, well, this is what it's like to work at Google and this is what we do. And then at the end of the class, I, I ask, oh, how many of you want to be engineers now? And every kid in the class raises their hand. So through that effort, if we can get a couple more in, people, students interested in engineering and, and STEM in general, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Awesome. All right. Uh, is that it, John? We're going to wrap this thing down now? Yeah, Jamie, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm going to probably walk upstairs now and try to convince my wife to let me buy a Chromebook and then email my principal and do the same. So <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people who are very angry at you, but uh, I'm looking forward. <laughs> let me know if you need me to talk to your principal. I, I can I can be persuasive sometimes. Oh, man, if, if I if I got you on a hangout with her, her head would explode. She wouldn't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's great meeting you guys i appreciate your time uh jamie thank you senior senior education evangelist for google right yes absolutely thanks all right thank you so thanks. much what a great guy for that, right? I mean, one, you can't go wrong. Anytime you can get a New Yorker, and I, I know you're up that way too, John, but uh, they, they are masters of speaking. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're a little slower yeah, down here in the South. You know, we like to kind of draw everything out and, uh, you know, a little more metered, I guess. Uh, but uh, he, he just went on and on, and it was, it was all good. Yeah, and anyway, he sound he sounded so knowledgeable, and I really, really wanted to ask him at the beginning. I was kind of going through before beforehand what I wanted to ask him because you know it's a guy from Google that that's just that's like a rock star in my world. Yeah, and I just wanted to ask him. I just wanted to say like, how cool is it at Google? Like, I just picture swing sets and monkey bars and you know that kind of <laughs> stuff. But he he started talking, and I thought I can't ask him a stupid question like that. Like I had to up my own ante there a little bit when he got going. Right, and it's you know the same way because. I was sitting there thinking about it. You're like, you're talking with him and he did a great,
great job of, you know, I don't want to say sounding like I'm sure he is, but you know, he comes across as, you know, just kind of the every guy, right. And he's real passionate about education. So we love him for that. But then I, I get to thinking, and if you don't know what Google's hiring practices are out there, they're extremely stringent. And, uh, you not only have to have, uh, you know, gone to the best schools, but you have to have been a top performer. So I'm thinking, here's this guy who sounds just like anybody else out there. And yet you just got to know he's brilliant just by virtue of the fact that he's working for Google. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you saw it. It's, it's made its rounds around the internet, but there's a, an article and it lists, I think it's like 10 different, uh, questions that Google's asked during the interview process. And they're just bizarre. They want to see like how, how your, your problem solving skills are and analytical thinking, that kind of thing. But there are questions where in the middle of the interview, they'll ask something like, um, why are manhole covers round? And then kind of stare at you and wait to see what you say. So. Yeah, you could tell he was really quick on his feet and they, that must have come through in his original interview. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, one, I want to give you a pat on the back, John, because, uh, just for, you know, setting that up and lining that, uh, that up. And, uh, it, we were very fortunate that we didn't have to struggle too much scheduling wise either. So, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, it went, went well. Um, so let's go ahead and let's just dive right into our uh, tips of the week this week. And um, I'm going to start off and uh, really I'm going to start an end because I, I, I'm the one that has one this week. No. <laughs> not not always the case, but uh, and I listed it under tech tip, but it's really, uh, I think, more of a teacher tip. And uh, the website is I'm, I don't even know how to say it. It's P-H-E-T. Uh, so FET, maybe? Fet. P-H-E-T. It's fet.colorado.edu. Um, and what this site is, uh, it's basically uh, has interactive simulations right there online. Uh, and these simulations are brought to you by the University of Colorado at Boulder. And uh, these, uh, I've been playing around with it a little bit, and they're served up via Java, and uh, uh, you can click on these things, and they instantly give you these really cool simulations, and they uh, revolve around all of the kind of sciences for the most part. So physics and chemistry, biology, uh, earth sciences, they have some math uh, stuff in there, and uh, it goes on and on. And uh, these interactive simulations are uh, for all levels. So they go not only K through 12, but even into uh, the upper level college uh, material. Uh, and you can also go on there and you can uh, filter this stuff either by subject matter or you can filter it by grade level, which I think is really nice. So uh, you can go in and say, I want to look at, uh, you know, a simulation where uh, it shows the the fire under the pot and and the water in the pot and the little mo molecules of water are are uh, bubbling faster and faster and it has simulations that really give a good visual depiction of what's going on there. Um, so you can do that and you can say you know I want just a elementary school uh, level. Uh, 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 what am I thinking? Uh, simulations, you know, I want to go and browse through those and you can, um, or, uh, for people like John and me, we can pull up one for middle school, um, or high school and so on and so forth. So it's just really cool. Uh, people out there have made these, uh, and I've got to imagine a lot of college students are probably behind this. Uh, but, uh, also there is a community there. There's also uh, a community of, it, it looks like teachers that have, 
put in additional material. So there's kind of like lesson plans and not so much lesson plans, but uh, kind of projects and things like that. So mostly science based. But uh, if you're looking for anything like that or, um, you know, even if you don't really focus on science, you may want to just peruse it and take a look because there's a lot of interesting information there. Yes. Yeah. I saw you put that in the show notes and I immediately tuned it out because you know I'm an English guy. So it doesn't mean too much to me, but I'm looking at it now. And just from what I've seen in my building and what happens, it seems like these little animations actually probably coincide really or go along really nicely with, with some of the activities teachers already do. Like I know every year I see the science teachers pulling the kids out in the hall and they, they open up the slinky and they, they move the slinky back and forth to demonstrate, I don't know, waves or frequency or something, right. but they have an animation. They have an animation for that. So it seems like a great site that teachers could go to as um, almost as supplemental information, supplemental material on something they already do. Um, or a better visual uh, depiction of something they already do. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, uh, especially with sciences, right, all that hands-on stuff, uh, at least to me, it always seemed more valuable, right? Uh, anytime you can get the students actually doing those things. But, uh, you know, you also have limitations as far as, you know, maybe materials that are available to you, space considerations uh, and time considerations as far as how much of that stuff you can actually do. Uh, so this is another thing, I, I guess, just to add to the toolbox where uh, maybe if you'd like to cover some things that are in there that you, you can't for one reason or another, it's there. Or maybe even just for uh, review purposes um, uh, or, uh, you know, students out there all kind of learn differently and some may not do as well uh, in the hands on uh, side of things, or maybe they're not as interested, but maybe if they can curl up with a nice little laptop and, uh, watch these things on the, on the screen, uh, you know, I certainly know of, uh, some students that might do better, uh, there as well. So, uh, certainly something to add to your toolbox out there, uh, particularly you science teachers. Good resource. Yeah. So is it time to get to the ever expanding list of ways to contact us? <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, uh, I think I think you're right. Uh, let's start off with, uh, as always, the website. The website is the place that you really need to go. Uh, primary way to uh, you know follow the show, get all the information that you need, uh, including you know things like the show notes and any of the links that we might have uh, it, you know put up uh, while we were in here. Uh, it, it, you know, that brings up a point, uh, John, uh, our guest wanted us to include his contact information. Did you get that down? Uh, yeah, you can follow him, uh, Jamie Cassup. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at J Cassup, uh, J C A S A P. And I believe he also said that he's on, um, Google plus as well. And you can follow him by searching his name. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to get that in before I forgot. I know we, we told him uh, we didn't get it into the interview and uh, told him that we would go ahead and make sure that that information got into the show. So uh, so there you've got it there. Uh, of course, if you are wanting just a nice little link that you can click on or something like that, certainly go to our website. It'll be there in the show notes uh, for this episode. So elementop.com. Uh, you can email us at tightwadteacher at elementop.com. Uh, uh, and as well, you can email us directly if you would like. So it's john at elementop.com or sean at elementop.com. And you can send us an individual note if you would like to do so. Uh, Twitter at element op uh, and well what you would do there is not so much follow at element op but go to the twitter page and you will find uh 
lists, Twitter lists there and for all of our shows. And if you follow the Twitter list for the Tightwad Teacher, you're going to get a feed of both mine and John's uh, Twitter feeds. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook.com slash Element Opie. And you can call us 530-FRUGAL, F-R-U-G-A-L-2, 530-FRUGAL and the number two. Uh, you can leave us voicemails, uh, voicemail there, and we will very likely use it on the show uh if you don't want us to please uh let us know uh that is our main line for the entire network so uh if you want to leave a message directly for this show just uh, if you can say that as well uh sometimes we get those kind of hey you guys are doing a great job uh messages and we really don't know which which show that is so we'll just assume we're doing a great job across the network so uh so that's it so uh john uh Wow, that that was really a great show. I was excited about it, and it went off pretty well. Yeah, I I thought it might be a shot in the dark when I first started trying to uh, track down people from Google, but they were very responsive. And um, like you know, just to wrap up, like you said, Jamie obviously was very uh, dedicated to the cause, the education cause. And, and that definitely came through. So yeah, great show today. Yeah. I'm willing to say great. I always say good. This is actually great to the, in this yeah. time. <laughs> and I do, I think I want to end on that note. You know, you said, uh, you said that, and I think Jamie is indicative of really just Google overall. And, uh, as much as I hate to be a fanboy of anything, uh, I find myself more and more as time goes by, uh, being a fanboy of Google, uh, just because I see, I see how it works in education, you know, and, uh, we jumped on board with that and there was some trepidation in the beginning, but as we've seen things go over time, it, you just can't help but be more and more excited about what that company is doing, uh, for uh, education in particular and, uh, and just watching as they continue to roll out these neat new things and be innovative and, uh, I think sometimes the joke will be that, uh, oh, Google, what else is Google come out with now? And, you know, cause half of that stuff falls by the wayside, but, uh, that's part of, you know, what happens when you're innovative, right? I mean, you try new things and some things work and some things don't. So do you know here, uh, pop quiz for you to, to end the show, okay. do you know the official, the official Google motto? <laughs> you got me there. I, I've never thought about <laughs> the, that. I've the, never even and this is a, this this is a great way to uh, to end it out. the The official motto of Google is "Don't be evil." What a great <laughs> corporate slogan! <laughs> and that's why I stand behind every Google product. <laughs> there we go. I like that. And you know, maybe that's why I like them because uh, it, you know, people know I'm an Apple hater, and uh, if if I'm not vocal enough about it, I'm certainly a, a, equally a Microsoft hater. So, <laughs> so uh, maybe that's it. You know, those are the evil empires, and uh, uh, Google yep, is don't be evil. Yeah, Google is the Luke Skywalker's of the world. <laughs> so there we go. That that's. A good way. And now you know we're going to get calls now because we've now pulled all the Trekkies, all the Star Trek and Star Wars fans. They're all going to be calling us because we just made that analogy. I love right, it. Right. That's how we expand our, our listeners. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so uh, to everybody out there in the uh, Tightwad universe, we'll leave you with that. Don't be evil. Uh, and yep. Maybe that will be our new sign off. <laughs> I guess. No, we don't want to do that because we certainly don't want Google yeah, coming after us. <laughs> we're going to get sued. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll just say it this one time. To everybody out there, this is Sean, and uh, don't be evil. <laughs> and this is John, also not being evil. <laughs>